Welcome to the Law Codex podcast. I'm Rami, the host of this episode. And today I'll be speaking with Aydin Sabahipur, who's a trainee at CMS, the founder of Little Law and a New York qualified attorney. So thank you for joining me today, Aydin. Thanks, Ravi. Thanks for having me. No problem. So just to sort of knuckle down into it, you're a trainee at CMS, as I discussed, but you're also a New York qualified attorney. So could you discuss your legal journey, including why you decided to sit the New York bar exam? Yeah, sure. So my legal journey, I guess, started at uni. Um, I started first as an uh, economics student and then changed my degree to law. But from then on, um, it's just been law all the way. Um, and I uh, studied law at Nottingham. After graduating, I had a couple years between graduating and then um getting the training contract offer, which um, I think is happens to quite a lot of people. It was, again, just I was doing applications and just nothing was really landing. And um, I always had an interest in potentially going abroad to work and, and, and um, wanted to develop the opportunities I'd have abroad. Uh, so that was the reason that I... Um, considered taking the New York bar in that space after graduating. So I did it immediately after graduating, actually like a year after graduating. Um, and um, that, that, was, that was when I did the exam. It, it was a tough process. The prep process was tough. I did a six months prep course and um, went to New York. Uh, you can prepare from anywhere, but you have to do the exam in New York. I went to New York, did the exam and um, luckily luckily passed so it's uh it's something that i have um got and i got that before i started my training contract um and the intention is is currently i guess more long term in terms of what benefit that will have because um i'm in my training contract now and i'm seven months in um into the two years so uh it's not something i'm using now because i'm working in london uh, but long term, it's something that I'm. I'm glad I did. I'm glad I got, and um, hopefully, long term, it's something that I'll be able to use as well. Yeah. So I read that maybe half, or maybe less than half, of people who actually sit the exam actually pass. So would you say it's a personal achievement for you that you managed to pass this exam? You know, being uh, you know out with the United States and, and New York specifically. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough exam. The pass rate is low. The the foreign student pass rate is even lower. Um, but I would say about the exam, a lot of people build it up and, um, like, even when you're in the exam, this happened to me, like people, cause you, it's a two day exam and you have lunch breaks. So you'd have like four sessions and even between the sessions, I'd have people like come up to me and like, try and like scare you about like these stats it's very odd I don't know why but um the the statistics are what they are it is a difficult exam um in terms of my advice to um UK students I would always say that the law in the New York bar exam is probably not going to be a challenge for you and the content is is not that difficult it's not it's pretty similar to what you're learning in in uni because it's common law so the contract is pretty much the same Land law is the same. Um, trust is, is similar. So um, torts is pretty much exactly the same. Um, it's, a lot of it's super similar. 
in that sense. Uh, so that's not going to be the sticking point. There are some new areas of law of like federal civil procedure and, and constitutional law of US, but like you, you'll pick them up. The challenge is usually um, the exam itself. And the exam itself is just this two, like two day, one day is completely multiple choice where they can choose from like every topic that you have. So it could be like a land or question, then a talk question, then a criminal question, and you just have to keep switching gears. So the, the, the challenge is the exam technique more so than the law. Um, so I, I would always encourage people if they, if they want to do it. And then they've done a UK LLB. I'd say that they're halfway there. And that you, you can get there. The benefit of doing it as a UK student is that um, you, you get to that qualified stage much sooner than a uh, US student because in, in the US, law is a postgraduate degree. So you'd have to do a degree, then do law, then, um, then sit the exam. But if you're applying to New York, they're quite happy as long as you've done a three-year LLB um, degree in the uk so i found myself sitting alongside people who are like are much older than me when i did it um and some people actually like strategically come and study in the uk to then like like american students and, and canadian students who i met there like would come and study in the uk so they can like benefit from this so there are benefits from doing it as a foreign student um it is tough uh, but i would always encourage people to do it and it's not as scary as people say but yeah um i, I did to answer your question I did a considerate personal achievement to, to pass the, the bar exam um, when I sat it the uh, first time. Yeah, and I know personally um, one or two people who came from the United States to, to the UK to study law is obviously, you know, as you as you touched upon, it's a postgraduate degree in the United States, and of course the the legal fees are just the fees for studying university. You know, you know, compounding over over that time is, I imagine, quite expensive. And um, so, no, that is definitely definitely does make sense. Yeah. So what situations do you think would, would be beneficial for a UK law student to actually sit the bar exam? I would say, as I said, it's not something I've been able to use at work. Um, but I would say if you have an interest in potentially pursuing these um, uh, global opportunities, uh, that's, that's kind of my intention at this stage. Um, I would say that it, it's, it's an asset in that sense. Um, one thing that I would maybe warn against is to think that once you're New York qualified, that that means you can just walk into a, a, a job in the US. That is like step one of like maybe like six steps. And the other ones are like very difficult. Like they could be visa issues, uh, competitive, like no different to here. If, if you're applying to a job in the U US, it's going to be competitive again that thing that benefited you in terms of being able to get you through the New York bar earlier, which is the fact that you've only done a three-year degree could come to um, be a challenge when you're applying against people who have like two, three degrees, like five years older than you, a bunch more experience. Um, so I would say for me, it's more of a long-term thing. And I said, I'm, I'm hopefully going to, it's going to open a few doors for me more long-term short term. Uh, I do know people who have passed the New York bar and um, landed jobs in the US, maybe not um, directly as um, practicing lawyers, but uh, some sort of like legal related job. Uh, but that's not something that I, I thought was feasible. I kind of looked into it, but then um, I was also applying for training contracts here. And as soon as I got that, then my focus is completely on uh, uh, seeing out my training contract here and, and working at the firm right now. 
Yeah, so the sense that I've gained is that the benefits can be the personal achievement of actually, you know, completing this notoriously tough exam, but also, you know, increasing your your opportunities, even if you don't think, you know, in the next two, three, four years that you're going to move abroad, you know, long term, it can maybe, um, you know, always help you, uh, you know, at least increasing your your opportunities abroad and and therefore maybe something that the students may consider. So moving yeah. on. Yeah, and moving on from the New York Bar exam, obviously you founded Little Law and, you know, Little Law is a household name among, you know, students across the United Kingdom and I'm sure abroad as well. So can you tell me the backstory, how you actually founded this, you know, this media platform and, you know, the work you had to do to actually build it up to where it is today? Cool, yeah, sure. Um, so Little Law is, um, for those who don't know, it's just a, it's a site that I started back at university um, which aims to uh, basically summarize news stories and and kind of not just summarize, summarize and then I guess repackage and refocus them in a way that's beneficial for law students. Um, and the story behind it is that I was applying for um, training contracts and VAC schemes in second year um, and first year, but this was born in second year. Of, of uni and um in in nottingham at the time and we had a few talks from different grad recruiters and at different firms and uh someone asked pretty much every time someone asked like what's the the uh the main uh, mistake that students make and aside from stuff like spelling and grammar and, and i don't know like naming the wrong name and stuff that you just shouldn't shouldn't do or it's like easily avoided they said um lack of commercial awareness. That's one of the things that we see. We see people who have like A's at GCSE, A's at A-level and like high two ones first at uni, but they just don't know anything beyond what's in the curriculum of what they're learning, which is, which is held against them. And like to that point, I kind of in my life thought, oh, I'll just, you know, as long as my grades are fine, I'll be fine. Um, but that was the first time I realized that there's this, there's an, there's another layer of you know, knowledge or, or awareness, if you want to call it, uh, that you should need to have to like succeed in this process. And I wasn't succeeding in the process, so I knew I was doing something wrong. Um, and that's when I started uh, trying to work on developing my commercial awareness. So it was completely just as a, a way to develop my commercial awareness. What I would do is I'd read news stories and write summaries just in a notebook. I always have a notebook wherever I go. I have one here now. One. Uh, but yeah like whenever I'd read anything I'd just write like little summaries like and and it would focus on what's what's the important thing that's in here like what's the big picture effect with the, which is the exact subtitle subheading that we use on little law so I'd read the new story and like the specifics are, are not the thing that was interesting um, to me or that I was focusing on I was like what's the big picture effect what why is this important how a business is going to react to this how a law firm is going to react to this that was the angle um and that's what i would do to try and develop my commercial awareness in like a sort of structured way and then from that i um kind of made this template where i'd write news summaries and a few of my friends saw it and they thought it was cool so i made a website um like a uh, just bought like a squarespace package at the time and like was paying like monthly for that to just have a website up and to see if other people would read it and that's how it started I just uh, started putting these summaries up and promoted it through my university law society in Nottingham 
um, which is how we got like the first like two two or three thousand um, like followers of of Little Law, and what it's become today is something very very different to that. Uh, that was back in like 2016. Um, so now we've got a, a team who do a lot on it. We've got a team, mostly students, um, who are writing. They're all really, really good. Uh, um, yeah, we've got some social media people. We've got uh, people working on video content. And, and now I'm just happy to be part of this big team because I do a lot less on it now. And there's a lot of other people who are involved in in running it and they do a, they do a brilliant job of keeping up um, the output and actually building on what I ever what I ever started at the beginning so it's much better now yeah and your tagline is or your motto is battling uh, commercial unawareness in aspiring lawyers so who thought of that that tagline because that's pretty I think that really summarizes you know what what little law is and you know what all of these platforms actually do so I think <laughs> there's a funny story I once saw it somewhere and I thought that um, there was another guy who was writing for Little Law at the time. Uh, and I thought he wrote it. And then for, for, for months, I thought he wrote it. Uh, and it was only, there was only a couple of us involved at the time when, when I came up with that, when I first saw this tagline. And I asked him, oh, did you come up with this battling unawareness line? And he's like, he said, no. So <laughs> I think I did it, but I forgot. Um, so I think I came up with it. Uh, I'm going to claim it if no one else is, but I think I came up with it. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, I think, I think it catches what we're doing. So it's, it's, it's aimed at aspiring lawyers, not just law students. Um, and that's a conscious a decision we made just because it's not just students necessarily. A lot of people are law grads. A lot of people, readers are career changers. I know a teacher who emailed me who uses it as a, um, as a resource to like help just teach like, I think they're like high school students in the US. So they're not even um, necessarily going to be going into law, but he thought it was a cool way of um, kind of like focusing on the, the wider issue, issue. So yeah, it's, it's the challenge is that battling commercial unawareness. And I think, I think commercial awareness is something that, you know, no one really, very few people have, unless you have a reason to have it. Like I went my whole life, not, I like, I'd be aware of the news, but I would not know, wider shifts that are happening in the world or like i'd never th read a news story i'd be much more focused i'd be like oh x percent is like the i don't know like unemployment rate this year like this number and i'd be focused on the detail whereas i think the point of commercial awareness or the point of little law at least is to kind of do the opposite and be like all right that's that's the detail but what's what, what is that an indication of what wider thing um and it's a challenge that a lot of people have when they're doing their applications because you've never had a reason to be um, commercially aware and now you do. So I'm trying to uh, basically with little law that the aim we, we have is to try and uh, resolve that problem. Yeah, and on your website, you have you know, a few different sponsors. So could you discuss maybe how you actually um, you know, gain those sponsorships and the help that you know, that sponsorship has actually you know, provided to little law? Sure, so we're, we work with sponsors um, on the occasion. Um, and yeah, it's just uh, some of the people on the website weren't necessarily sponsors. They just did content with us, which is also good because um, uh, most of the people we speak to externally are people who are, um, have a lot of knowledge about you know, the world of law. 
and the sort of thing we're trying to teach. Um, but yeah, I think the working with the sponsors is, is something that is, uh, we've done a bit of, it's not our main focus at the moment, um, but it's, it's useful. It's good to um, be able to benefit from their knowledge, as, as I said, and uh, hopefully for the sponsors, we have a, an audience of students, uh, sorry, aspiring lawyers, not necessarily students, but they're all engaged. Uh, they're all willing to develop the commercial awareness. They all want to want to do more. So um, I like to think that the people who are following Little Law are like, it's, it's probably an effective channel for, for people who want to reach out to aspiring lawyers because um, by definition, the people who are following this thing have taken that proactive step to, you know, go on the website or sign up to the newsletter or whatever. Yeah, and on top of Little Law, so aside from, you know, the project that you actually worked really hard on and it's become a household name, you also have a YouTube channel which has over 1,500 subscribers. So why did you decide to found a YouTube channel, you know, aside from Little Law? And, you know, what, what sort of content do you tend to post on it? So the YouTube channel is is an interesting one. It's, uh, it's been neglected for the past three or four weeks, maybe more because of, because of work. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's still a, a plan to return. Um, I, th I feel like the last couple of videos have been like one video, like a five week break, but that's just, I need to like do a few backlogged videos so I can have a couple to go in a row. But yeah, the YouTube channel was, uh, I guess the idea was born out of the mentoring I started doing. There's a couple of reasons I started it, but the reason that I made it what it is, is, is that I started doing mentoring through a platform called Grow, um, which I really enjoyed. And I was uh, talking to my mentee and we, um, I know, walk through the issues he's having and I'd like give my advice and talk about my experiences. And I just thought it might be interesting to, instead of talking to um, someone on a one-to-one -one basis, if there was a way of doing it as a kind of like more like one-to-many way. So uh, I thought YouTube was a good way to do that. Well, I thought using social media was a good way to do that. Um, and it was during lockdown. So I think like everyone was like kind of like had a bit more time and wanted to try something new. Um, I also tried to learn to bake bread, but that did not go as well. Uh, but yeah, so that's how it started. That was the thinking behind making it law related. In terms of why I wanted to make a YouTube channel, I've always like been interested in making videos. So it was kind of like a selfish endeavor in that sense that I was like, oh, this would just be a good like structured way to practice. Like I'd be forced to make videos and I'd have to learn how to like do editing and like color grading and and stuff so um that was just um another reason that i wanted to do it personally i was gonna like wanted to start making videos about stuff as a kid i'd do it from like when we went on holidays and stuff and um, but now i thought it would be a interesting angle to take so it was my interest in in the videos which was like the personal like selfish reason and then the i guess more like selfless reason was uh the mentoring thing but it was a it was a bit of both yeah, and obviously you touched on the fact that you maybe sort of neglected your YouTube channel a little bit and you, there's a bit of inconsistency maybe. So what are your long-term plans for the YouTube channel? Do you intend to, you know, continue posting sort of law-related videos? Do you maybe want to, you know, venture outside of the law? Or is this maybe something that you're you're just working with sort of, you know, uh, playing by ear, you could say? No, I have a plan. I have a plan. My plan is definitely to just stick to law-related videos and application-related videos for it was meant to be a year. Uh, so I started in the summer and it was meant to end this summer, but I don't think I'll have got all the videos that I wanted out in that time because of just my own inconsistency in posting. Uh, but I want to start it as a, 
platform just to um, focus on the law and um, and law related things. Uh, but more long term, uh, it will just be a, a platform or the plan is for it to be a platform that just reflects things that I'm generally um, reading or listening to or um, come across ideas that I've come across that I can like kind of put across in this way because I think I'll kind of run out of law application advice after a year because I think like I'm, I try to go through the stages um, in the videos I made so it was first about like applications um, then about like it later went on to like uh, I had quite a few about applications but then like on to um, video interviews and I kind of have like an few plans of what to addressing um assessment centers and like doing my tips for that but i think once i unless i completely like change my views on one of these things and i feel like i have to redo it um i think once they're up that they'll they'll be a fairly good reflection of like what i'd recommend for each each type of um each stage in the application process and i think the application process is you can kind of break it down quite um like it is quite modular like you've got the each stage uh so in answer to your question, law related for for probably the next like at least twenty videos, and then um, then expanding more widely into just anything that I'm thinking about posting. Excellent. And I guess one final question: What you know, one piece of advice would you have for aspiring lawyers? One piece of advice that I'd have for aspiring lawyers, um, I would say that. One piece of advice, I guess it's not a piece of advice, it's just a, a little statement. Uh, the, the road to, um, no, I'm, I don't want to try and sound more poetic. Uh, I'll just say it as it is. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough road to getting a TC offer. Um, and I, I honestly think um, for pretty much everyone I've, I've ever spoken to who wants it, it's just a case of um, when they get it. So I, I really don't know anyone who's wanted to get a training contract and hasn't been able to get it. The only question is how many years it takes. Um, and, and sometimes you'll get to a point where that assessment will just sway to the, too far to the other way and you, you decide that it's not worth you doing more years of applications, but, or at least not for the time being. But um, I would say that in my experience, everyone I've, I've spoken to, um, including myself, um, has eventually got to that stage if, if you persist and if you um, really focus on the application stage on, on each module, each stage, um, step of the, of the process and, and uh, try and identify where your weaknesses are and reach out to people to, to help you develop them. For myself, I started uni in 2014. I started doing applications in 2015 in my second year for vacation schemes and um, I got my TC offer in 20 end of 2019 so it's that was like two or three years after I graduated I also changed my degree so I was like one year behind or whatever so there's I'm, I'm older than people and most people in my intake now and that's just something that like it doesn't become a isn't a problem uh, people also overstate that um, so I'd say don't don't worry about that uh, and if you want to uh, get a TC or or get onto that route for qualification in, in the UK. It's mostly a case of when, not, not if, if you persist. Excellent. And of course, you can increase your chances of success in your TC and vacation scheme applications 
by watching Aiden's video, uh, all of his videos on applications, you know, as we touched upon, he has many, you know, staging, um, you know, like video interviews, the written application and, and different elements as well. So that will be um, linked to this podcast episode. But thank you very much, Aiden, for, for featuring as a guest. You know, we covered three very different topics, but, you know, your, your career journey has been very interesting and it's been a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks, Remy. It's been a pleasure to be on the podcast.